This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, welcome back to the Richard Blackbee Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host. And on this week's episode, we have a great conversation with Steve Swinney. He is the CEO and co-founder of Kodiak Building Partners Incorporated, a $3 billion revenue diversified building products distributor based in Denver, Colorado. Since its creation in July of 2011, Kodiak has grown through a series of 40 acquisitions and three business launches along with extensive organic growth of its operating companies. With a decentralized and entrepreneurial culture, Kodiak was honored with a spot on the Inc. 5000 list for the past five years, along with being recognized as the largest Colorado-based company to earn that distinction. In 2022, Steve was selected as a winner of the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award for his entrepreneurial spirit, purpose, growth, and impact on the region's business landscape. In 2023, Steve was recognized as a Colorado Biz Magazine CEO of the Year finalist and Denver Business Journal's most admired CEO. In his free time, Steve enjoys spending time with his family, skiing, snowshoeing, and hiking in the Colorado mountains. And this is a great conversation uh, between Steve and Richard. Uh, They get into how uh, Kodiak uh, was started, which happened right after the uh, financial crisis. Uh, Really fascinating stuff um, about how his company came to be, uh, some lessons that he's learned along the way, and just some great insights on how to lead people. And so I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Richard and Steve. As always, we'll have links to how to connect with Steve and uh, his company information uh, will be in the show notes. Well, once again, I'm privileged to have a special guest with me on this podcast, Steve Swinney, uh, a business leader in Denver, Colorado, just recently moved into a new office building. Uh, And uh, I've had a chance to know Steve uh, in my work with CEOs for over the last couple of years. And uh, Steve, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Richard, it's fantastic to be here. I've, I've listened to this for a long time and, and gotten a lot out of it. So uh, honored to uh, have a chance to visit with you a little bit today. Well, we love having uh, guests of uh, people that listen to the podcast being on the podcast. So uh, welcome. And and Steve, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself. You're a business entrepreneur, a business leader. Uh, and uh, I always like people just to hear something of the leadership journey that people have been on. And so tell us uh, what you do and, and how you got to that place today. Sure. I'll, uh, so, so what I do today is that I'm the CEO of Kodiak Building Partners, and it's a company that I founded uh, with, uh, with three friends that I'd worked with previously. Um, back in 2011, we launched the company. And uh, our business is building product distribution to professional builders. So think about you know, home builders and contractors. And... Uh, and so we operate several different formats uh, around the country. We're in about 25 states. Hmm. Uh, and we kind of put the company together through a series of about 40 acquisitions over the last 12 years. Wow. Uh, and so uh, today we, we do just about $3 billion in sales annually uh, to those home builders and contractors around the country. We've got about 6,300 employees around the country. Um, and uh, it's just been a, a fantastic journey. Um, mm. The last 12 years, I know we'll talk about that a little bit here, but just as far as a little background of, of how I got to, to the starting point at Kodiak, I actually grew up in Chicago 
and, uh, and went to college at Abilene Christian University down in Texas uh, and was an accounting major there. So I did accounting uh, and then got an MBA in finance uh, a couple of years after that. And then from there, really moved around the company or around the country, I should say, uh, to Minnesota, back to Chicago and that here in, to Denver uh, in a series of, of jobs, finance jobs in different industries. And, and then in 2007, uh, had the opportunity to join a company that was really forming here in Colorado called ProBuild. And it was, it was a company that was in this industry that I now operate in, uh, this building product distribution world. And it was my first experience in the industry. And, uh, you know, I got there just in time for the Great Recession, which uh, <laughs> is, of course, impactful to our whole economy, but especially impactful to, uh, to anyone who is in this home building world. Hmm. And so uh, really through that transformative event in our industry, uh, had the opportunity to launch Kodiak in 2011. Wow. And and. Steve, there's a lot of people that are entrepreneurs who who listen in, and I, I know there's a lot of folks. My son-in-law, uh, Sam, for one, who who is always intrigued by people that uh, have a vision to start something new. But uh, and there's a lot of entrepreneurs across America that uh, will try businesses of various sizes. But from for you to go from in 12 years from a startup to three billion in sales is uh, that's a little unusual. That's everyone dreams of that, but uh, not everyone makes that. What how, what do you what do you attribute your success to? Because that's uh, you, you you like you said you came out of a kind of a, an economic tailspin there. It's not the best time to be starting up a business in the very field that kind of went south on you there. But uh, you turned around and I, I assume made some adjustments, uh, took a fresh run at it and have been very successful. How'd that happen? Well, you know, I think I think there was a, a couple of things that really lined up extremely well for us. Um, you know, there was, was that, the first was that transformational event. I mean, um, you know, one of the one of the one of the big things I learned, particularly from the investing side over the years, was I heard a, a really great investor way all the way back to when I was in college that said this, and I never forgot it. But you know, he talked about how he looked for kind of major disruptive situations hmm. in in business and industry, and then really really bet big um, huh. on those, and that's how he got there. And, wow. and so for us in in 2010, we were looking at everything we'd been through the last four years. And, and one of my team's roles there uh, at ProBuild was to really do a lot of analysis for the ownership, which was a, a, a private investment firm, on really understanding what, what was happening. You know, we were having this, this major crisis in the economy and, you know, there have been, there've been hiccups and, and recessions along the way, but hadn't had anything like this since the Great, Great Depression, really. And mm. so we were always looking at uh, data and information for them on what's happening here and, and how did, how has this happened in past cycles? And candidly, you know, it really, over time, it helped us develop this thesis for the fact that our industry was about to undergo this, uh, undergo this great uh, resurgence and growth right. phase coming out of that. And uh, we thought, why not go and raise a little bit of money and, and try to build a business and participate in that. Wow. Um, so that was one thing. I think the second thing was that we did really have some, some ideas from what we had learned there at, uh, through our experience at ProBuild that kind of guided us on how we wanted to do a consolidation. Uh, so our industry is incredibly fragmented. And so acquisitions are a big part of kind of any growth strategy in our space. And 
um, you know, we just had had some thoughts about how to do that a little differently. Huh. And we sit here 12 years later and, and uh, are really blessed and um, kind of amazed at, at how it's all come together. Wow. And if you if you uh, acquire 40 different companies uh, it, all into yours, uh, there's got to be a lot of uh, transitions and culture. I, mean, you, I know you're trying to build a certain culture, but how do you do yes. that with adding that many different companies, different states that they represent? Uh, that, that's got to be a leadership challenge all of its own. You know, it is. It's um, it's you make a lot of mistakes along the way and, and you hope you don't make any fatal ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, I think one of the things that has been really successful for us has been that uh, that culture piece uh, is is a big part of our diligence process. You know, in the acquisitions, when you hear people talk about acquisitions, they always talk about due diligence, which usually means, you know, evaluating all the people digging into the financials and, and all those kinds of things. And we do all that. Um, but I think a big part of our uh, process is really evaluating, do we, you know, do we and that, and that acquisition candidate, do we have similar cultures? Are we, do we have aligned values? Hmm. And, and because we have done that, um, it's amazing how aligned our culture is across Kodiak despite the fact that, as you said, we're, we're really the combination of 40 different cultures that have kind of melted together. Yeah. And I mean, you're Steve, you're a Christian, uh, uh, you know, I, and, and not, not shy about that, but, uh, does that, I mean, I'm assuming that that doesn't mean that all you acquire are, are other Christian companies or companies led by Christians. How, how do you, how, how do you navigate that? I, 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 cause I'm, I'm sure just cause someone's a Christian doesn't mean that they'd be a good fit for you either. Uh, or your sure. <laughs> you wish that was always the case, but yeah. yeah. No, you know, I think, um, so, so, and, and we, you know, Kodiak is, uh, we're majority owned by a private equity firm. Uh, we have been for the last six years and for the first six, we just had a, a group of individual investors. So, you know, we've never been quote, a Christian company. We're, we're a company that's led by, uh, by a very devoted Christian. Mm. Um, and so I would just say, you know, my faith really impacts and, and really guides the values and the culture that I want to have in our in our company. And so, um, you know, there are there are times when we acquire a company that, uh, you know, they are they are uh, believers and, and many times they're not. And and it really that's not really uh, the tie that has to bind, if you will. It's really about yeah. just us having culture that aligns and, um, and that culture for us is really a lot about empowering our people. Um, it's about humility. It's about, um, really just hard work and grit, mm. um, and, and things like that, that, uh, mm. that drive us. Hmm. Well, let me ask you, since we've kind of brought, uh, our uh, faith up a little bit here, mm. um, how, so you lead a, a company that's, I mean, it's a secular company. Uh, you do secular work, uh, mm -hmm. And yet, um, how does how have you found? I mean, how practical is it being a, a Christian who has God available to you? Um, I mean, is, is God good for your business? Does he does he help you? And I mean, it's it's great to say, well, he gives me peace. Uh, you know, he gives me morals. But um, are there any ways in which you're seeing God act, actively at work in the midst of your workplace, or any yeah. ways in which God just practically has helped you, perhaps making decisions? Well, I, definitely. I, you know, I, I, I guess I'd start and say this, you know, um, when we, uh, 
when we go out and buy a new piece of equipment for one of our operations, uh, sometimes we'll buy some pretty elaborate machines out there. And, you know, if, if when you get that new machine in, you want to figure out how to make it work and you have questions, right? And you, sometimes you mm. don't know how to, how to get it going. Mm. And, um, and so what do you do? Well, you, you call the person that made it. Yeah. And, and so the yeah. first thing I'd say just broadly is I kind of think about it like that. I mean, God, my belief, God created mm. everything. He created mm. our world. He created um, the construct of family. He created commerce and business. And, and, you know, I believe that means that he probably knows how it works best, just like that machine. Hmm. And, and so, hmm. um, I find, especially over the last six or seven years in my life, I've really, um, I've really sought God a lot more in my business leadership than I had in the past. Hmm. And, and I find that, um, starting with him is really, really drives, frankly, much better decisions as a leader than I ever hmm. made in the past. Um, and then I think just, you know, a couple, uh, a couple examples kind of come to mind just in terms of super practical things that, that inform us. Um, you know, one is, is on our role in the community. Um, mm. you know, I, I look, I look at what I've heard God tell me, you know, reading the Bible that, uh, you know, God chose Israel, he rescued them and he put them in the promised land and blessed them wildly. Mm. Um, he didn't just do that to, uh, so they could just have a great time. He did yeah. that so that they could be a blessing to the rest of the world. And so that's something that practically for, for me translates to, okay, when we've been blessed here at Kodiak, we have a responsibility um, to be a blessing to our community around us, to be a part of God's redemptive plan. And that, mm. that's both Kodiak and then, and then Linda and I and our family personally I think that's just a practical lesson that God's given us of when you're blessed, use that to bless others. I, I think another one is, um, you know, I've been, uh, I was reading just yesterday and, and, you know, over and over again in the Bible, God exhorts humility. Yeah. And I think humility is one of the most important traits of a business leader, a, a successful one. Hmm. Um, and, and that's just another practical thing that, you know, God's told us, you know, do it this way and it really works. And I've mm. seen those kinds of examples over and over again, where, um, in business, you know, I can, I can look at what I see God speaking to us in the Bible or in prayer and, and you know what, it works, it works mm. and, and it does lead to success. And that's not a prosperity gospel thing. That's just a, this is how God made the world. And when we follow, I believe that when we when we start listening to him and, and do it his way, it starts to work really, really well. Wow. You know, and what humility, it's a, uh, even secular, uh, you know, people that don't even claim to be Christians recognize the value of, of, you know, humble leadership and, uh, and, and leading others, uh, from a, from a perspective of humility. But, but, you know, that's not always easy to learn, is it? I mean, you can't, someone listening today can't say, you know, I, I, I'm going to start being much more humble in the days to come. I mean, how, how do you how do you how do you cultivate that? Because I mean, it, in one sense, to be a successful entrepreneur, you've got to have some some confidence uh, to to be able to get people to invest that kind of money. You you've got to come across pretty confident in your ability. But but at the same time, how do you be very successful and yet maintain humility? I would think that's harder to do. I mean, if you fail a lot, it's easy to be humble. You would think, but you've had a lot, you've had a string of, of 
pretty significant success. How do you, how do you stay humble uh, when you're 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 setting new sales records each year? Mm-hmm. Well, and and you know, you talk about courage and strength. You mentioned that that was that's another one of those practical things that that I would I'd put on what I've learned about about being a leader. You know, God. That's another thing that God talks about over and over again is being strong and courageous. Hmm. Um, hmm. But I think you know, I think that there's a combination of those two of humility and strong and courageous. That's really important. And that combination is what are you strong and courageous in? Um, Are you strong and courageous because you think you've got it all figured out and you're smarter than everyone else and, uh, and just know how, know how it ought to work. Are you strong and courageous because you're following someone who you believe actually does really know everything Hmm. um, and guides you. And, and uh, I think there's a lot of humility then if you, for me, approaching business that way, um, and knowing that, look, I, you know, I don't know how on earth, how, why do I get to be in this position today, and why do I get this opportunity? I, I'm not smart enough to to do all this, but hmm. for whatever reason, you know, God's put me in this position. That drives a ton of humility uh, when you feel like you've been chosen, even though you don't really belong there. Hmm. Um, you know, we've, that's we've, helped me a ton. And I can't, I, I will also say, I, I would love to, uh, I would love to say that, uh, you know, my life has just been a string of success personally and professionally. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it just keeps getting better every day. But, you know, I, I think all your listeners would, would uh, see right through that and know that uh, we all go through some, some pretty tremendous ups and downs. And, and I would say, you know, handily, you know, actually when we met, I was in a real down and, mm. uh, when we met several years ago and, and it's been one of the most transformative times of my life uh, over mm. the last several years coming through that. So I think when you fail, mm. you, you learn a lot more than when you succeed. And so I've, I've definitely had some learnings over the years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know, you know, it's interesting back uh, in your, your, your business before this one. Uh, uh, it, I think sometimes a significant uh, fail or, you know, disappointment early on, I think, always kind of reminds you ever afterward how easy that is to happen again. You know, it's uh, don't ever take for granted that it's going to be just nothing but smooth sailing from here. You, you When you've experienced some storms along the way, you know to not take anything for granted. But but you, you, yeah, a couple of years ago, you uh, you got to be a part. Uh, you are part, and I am of a of an organization called the CEO Forum, and uh, and one of the things that we do in that forum is uh, do some kind of discipleship leadership training. Uh, that's a, a three year program. That uh, that's when I first met you, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, God, I know God used that in your life. Uh, uh, and you kind of alluded to that, but uh, for a guy, I mean, in those three years, I happen to know your business just really skyrocketed. Um, you were a very busy guy. I, there, it's interesting because there's some folks that uh, will join this uh, training with me and others, uh, but they'll sometimes they'll they won't do it till they retire. They'll, they'll say, "I finally, <laughs> I finally got the time now to take this class," and then about halfway through, they'll say, "I wish I'd had it 20 years ago." when I was still in the seat yeah. and working, uh, but they didn't think they had the time to do that. But, but you did take the time. Um, and you, you'd come from Denver over to, to Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, three times a year. Uh, how did you, how did you manage that? I mean, you know, I, I, I think a lot of guys would say if I was just, my business was growing, I think probably in that time, in those three years, you're, I'm sure your sales may well have doubled, uh, mm-hmm 
uh, from what they were, it was it was quite significant growth. And yet, um, you really you took the time to get away and learn to be a part of a learning group. Um, how did you how did you do that? And and what 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 do you do just to keep on growing? Because I'm, you know, I I think a lot of guys are saying hey, if I was doing three billion dollars in in sales, I I probably could coast a little bit and just be happy with that. But it seems like you're still trying to learn. You're still trying to grow. How how do you do that? Well, I, I am because, you know, I, I feel like and we have we've gone through such a growth journey that that I felt like, you know, both personally and business wise, I've had to keep learning just to have at least a chance of keeping up with all this uh, mm-hmm. and staying in the role that I'm in to, to lead the business. Um, I think if I wasn't growing a lot, I think the business would have certainly outgrown me. Hmm. And uh, someone else would be, you know, sitting here uh, running this and, and talking to you today. Hmm. But I think, you know, when it came to that specific time period, um, I think one, I, I had a real awareness that um, that program was something I really, it, it was essential for me. Uh, it was essential for me to to become the leader I needed to be. It was essential to me to um, to really find the, the way to really follow Christ the way I wanted to, but frankly wasn't doing and maybe didn't know how to. Mm. Um, and so it, it just, it was something for me that I knew uh, there was nowhere more important for me to be those, those days when we'd be together uh, than down there in Dallas. Mm. And, and then the things that, that really came out of that were, I think, you know, very transformational for me. Uh, as a husband and a father, as a business leader, uh, and most importantly, just as as a Christ follower. Hmm. Yeah. I know. I, well, we 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 love that. We appreciate guys who who do make that a priority. I. But well, tell me, and you you've you've touched on uh, some of this, but what what have been some of your greatest challenges as a leader? I, I leadership has probably never been easy, but certainly um, I think we all have our different areas of leadership that. Uh, particularly push us you know i've shared on this mm-hmm. podcast before uh, for me at least uh i i think certainly the the greatest leadership challenges i've had have not typically been at the office they've been when i got home from the office yes uh, and uh i don't know why entirely why that is um uh, but the the times i just thought i don't think i've got what it takes I, i've usually not felt that way in my paid job but um, but I think we've said this, uh, often in this podcast, but, but leaders inevitably find they, they come up against something that's bigger than them mm-hmm. that, uh, they may have had a string of successes, but then they're going to hit something that's, um, that's going to just push them right to the limit. Uh, have you, what, what's been, a, have you had some of those moments or what's been, what have been some of the big challenges for you over the course of your leadership career? Yeah. So, you know, I think, uh, one of one of the, the things that I see as a continual challenge for me, and it just shows up in different ways and forms, you know, um, is really uh, I, I'd kind of say it's it's this combination of, of one I'd call it you know leading kind of leading from my core beliefs, hmm. um, which drives me to really have to think about being very prudent and proactive about how I how I use my time each day. Mm. Um, and then, and then I, I think the other way to I think all of these are, I'm saying the same thing in different ways, but I think the, the other way I'd say it is 
is about making decisions that are driven by your priorities. And, hmm. and I would tell you, you know, honestly that, uh, you know, my first five years of, of, of Kodiak, uh, as we grew and, you know, we got established and we kind of got over that startup hump and kept growing, um, I was not, I, I wasn't doing those things that I just talked about. And hmm. um, so the success were that the numbers were growing, um, but I was really dying inside and it was really uh, causing a lot of, I think, uh, pain and struggle for the people that, you know, uh, are most close to me around me, my, my wife and kids. Hmm. And, um, and at the core of it was the fact that I didn't trust God to take hmm. care of us. And, I, and it took me a long time. I didn't know that at the time. At the time, if you'd asked me that, I would say, well, yeah, I've got to do all this, Richard, because we're starting a business and how are we going to make it successful if I don't put in all this time? And if I'm not laser focused on this at the, ex, you know, at the expense of everything else. Hmm. And, and what that really was about was not trusting God that he was going to take care of us one way or another. Yeah. He was going to take care of me and my family. He was going to take care of the business. Um, and so since I didn't trust him, I had to do it all myself. And, hmm. and that's not a recipe for success, uh, even in the short run, but especially in the long run. And so I kind of find now that, that the challenge to just continually uh, be focused on what are, you know, what are the priorities and not let the tension of urgent things or the things that seem like uh, they ought to command all my time always do. Because those will always shout louder than the things that I think God's really calling us to do. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, there's a lot, I think, that can identify with that, you know, and I, my wife, for for years, I kept saying, I knew that things were out of balance and, and my pro- priorities weren't really in the right place. But, but you, you know, you, you, there's certain lies that you kind of believe. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was one was, well, as soon as things slow down, you know, as soon as I get things stabilized, uh, as soon as we hit this level, then, then I can, you know, then, then I'll kind of swing back around and I'll take care of my family the way I'd like to. Uh, and those are some kind of deceptions that I think a lot of folks, uh, believe. And when they finally do, if they ever do swing back around it, it, sometimes it's too late. late. Their family was tired of waiting, uh, you know, and they, they moved on. And, uh, so, you know, I, I used to see my wife would kind of you know, make comments and I'd try to, you know, stave her off and give her some <laughs> false promises. And, uh, it was kind of irritating, you know, she was like my verbal conscience. And, uh, until I began to realize well, that, no, I, 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 that's the, you know, especially my wife, my kids, those were like the red lights on the dashboard mm-hmm. that when they started flashing, that was, I, I had to, you know, you don't keep driving your car when the engine light keeps comes on. You you know, yeah. it's okay. We got to address this right away. And um, and sometimes I think we just ignore those flashing lights. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, 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 it's interesting how many leaders can do can lead so well in business and then just really struggle sometimes uh, with relationships that that matter most. And Absolutely. you know, I, but uh, you so. Um, but, but tell me, you know, you, I mean, you've had, you, you've had a wide range of experiences. Um, but, but if you were to just kind of grab a couple and you, you probably touched on these, uh, some already, but what, what would be some of the, the big leadership lessons you would, 
learn or if you if you were you know if you could go back in time to yourself when you're like 25 and you would say hey here's um here's three bits of advice that i would give you just so that you're going to have a, a more successful uh run uh what, what would you what kind of advice uh, to leaders would you give after all you've been through yeah so um well, I started to allude to to one, but I think you know, for from an, from the entrepreneurial journey, for sure, I think this this lesson that I I heard, you know, it's now been thirty some years ago, of of thinking about these disruptive situations and those you know those crises really do create tremendous opportunities. And you, if you look at business, you've seen that throughout history, mm-hmm. um, that most really successful things do come out of some kind of crisis and. Yeah. Uh, and then the second piece of that is is being able to have the conviction and the courage to really kind of quote as that as that investor that I mentioned said you know bet big on it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that that uh, one of our favorite stories to tell here uh, about our entrepreneurial journey is that back in 2012 uh, when we were we were acquiring our second company, so we had about you know 40 million in sales at the time, and we had 80 employees, and uh, we had this second deal that that we wanted to do. Um, but we had to go back out to our investors and raise more money because we, we didn't have any. And, uh, mm. and so we, we went to, uh, we had this collection of really individual investors and friends and family. And, and one of them, which is, he's become a huge mentor of mine and a great friend is Don Porch. He's a, a gentleman that's been really successful down in, in Houston, um, over his career. And, and when I talked to Don about that second round, uh, his first question to me was, well, are, are you investing? in the second round. And I had to explain to Don, um, well, I, I'm not because, you know, I kind of, I don't have that much now. I put everything into the first round. I, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm kind of just, <laughs> I'm committed, yeah. but uh, I don't have any more dollars to invest. And he asked me, well, if I, if I loaned you money, would you invest it in this, this round? And I said, well, sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd do that. And he said, well, interest rates can be 10%. You know, this was back when we didn't interest rates were now that doesn't sound quite as bad as it did, but <laughs> most interest rates were a little lower. And I said, Yeah, I think we could we can do that. And then he said, Well, you know, you and Linda both have to sign a personal guarantee. Okay, I'm sure she'd be happy to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, so at the end of the day, you know, Don said to me and to the the three guys that had joined me to start this, I'll invest in this next round of investment as much as you guys will borrow. So, you know, huh. you borrow a hundred thousand, I'll put in, I'll loan it to you and then I'll, I'll invest a hundred of my own. Hmm. And, um, and so collectively we ended up being about 25% of that, that, uh, investment round because huh. we bet big and said, you know, we really believe in this. We believe in what we're doing and, uh, we're going to kind of put our money where our mouth is. So that, that conviction when you, and, and you know, conviction isn't about just taking these crazy, ridiculous risks. I, hmm. I think that conviction comes from doing a lot of research and doing the work and really being confident, you know, confident being grounded in wisdom and, and effort, not just, I'll just roll the dice. Hmm. So I think that, that's one really big lesson uh, I've learned from on the investing side. I think on the leadership side, um, you know, I, there's two things uh, I would say. One is, is just, it's about culture. And, and I think that culture in a company really drives success. Um, and culture, when I say culture, you know, I just, to me, that's just, well, who are we, you know, how do we do things? What are, what's our values? What drives us? You know, what's the Simon Sinek, you know, 
great author would would say, you know, kind of what's your why? Hmm. Um, that's to me what I when I talk about culture. And so hmm. for us, um, you know, really creating this strong culture, um, really communicating and getting getting people on board that are that buy into that and are engaged with it. Um, I've seen that engagement uh, really drive amazing beyond my wild expect wildest expectations success. Uh, when you get a core of people who are engaged and committed and aligned uh, around a core set of values. Hmm. And then I, the, the other one that comes to mind that I, I would just, you know, say, I'd say it this way to any leader, I'd say, you know, that, that comment I made about uh, making sure your decisions each day are driven by your priorities. Yeah. Uh, and then if, if I'm talking to someone who's um, a young uh, leader in business, who's, who's a Christ follower, I would say, I would say that a little differently. I would say, you know, be all in for God. Uh, and don't believe the lie that, as you said, you don't believe that lie that you have to wait until you get to a certain point to do that. Mm. Um, mm. I, I, I look back and, and would just long for having, you know, most of the last 20, 30 years back to redo mm. with that, that last point as a, as a centerpiece from the beginning, instead of figuring that out, you know, 20 years in. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it, I'm grateful that God is so gracious because <laughs> I think we all just, we, we shake our heads sometimes at things we did in the past that we just didn't, didn't know. And, um, and now with some wisdom, you know, it's, it's kind of like child rearing. By the time you've got all the wisdom you need, your kids are walking out the door. It's like, it's like we're, we're rank amateurs when we start out and, uh, you've got to learn that his life goes on. But you know, the, the American culture society is changing a lot and we all know that. And the workforce is changing. There's, I know there's a lot of challenges that come with that, uh, you know, I think when you and I started working, uh, it's, it was a different kind of uh, world than than the one that now I think we're operating in. Um, I know that that comes with some challenges. Uh, I, I know that that means that for business leaders and every kind of leader, uh, we may have to make some adjustments in how we lead, just considering the, the younger generations that are coming up. Um, and so I guess just maybe a final, just two-part question w with the, with American culture and society the way it is and the way it's changing, does that is that creating any challenges for you as a leader uh, that that are causing you to have to perhaps adjust the way you maybe would have handled things 10, 10 years ago? Um, and and then lastly, with all the things changing in, in society today, does that does that open up some opportunities? Uh, entrepreneurs have a way of seeing opportunities when others see problems. And uh, so maybe two part one, just with all the changes going on, are there some challenges, adjustments leaders have to make? And, and number two, are there some opportunities that are unfolding as a result of what's going on in society today? Sure. I mean, you know, I think, uh, <clears throat> well, one, one thing that, that obviously we're all kind of navigating through tactically, I think as leaders is this whole issue of, you know, are you in the office or not? And mm -hmm. how often are you in the office? And, and, mm -hmm. and I think that's been, that's been an adjustment. I grew up in a, in an era where, you know, you were, when I was, when I was young and starting out, you were in the office five days, you might be there six days, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and there was no, not even in consideration for, you know, work from home all the time, or even a, a day, you know, you, you, you might be able to come in a little late, you know, because you had to go to the dentist or something one morning. Yeah. 
And yeah. I think I think I think that's been an adjustment. Um, you know, for us, we're in the our, our corporate team here is in the office Monday through Thursdays, and then we've kind of given Friday as an optional uh, day. And and not surprisingly, it's pretty quiet around here on Fridays. <laughs> yeah. But um, but you know, I think that's been an adjustment that that you know we kind of navigated through. How do we think about that? And and what when we landed on this um, over these past few years, we really just said, you know. We think there's something incredibly vital and powerful that happens when we're together collaborating. Hmm. And, and we think that drives a tremendous amount of uh, development in younger people when they're interacting, uh, you yeah. know, with with the leadership and with the teams here. And so we just said, you know, we just can't do without that. Number yeah. one. And number two, you know, most of our 6000 employees, they're out on trucks and in warehouses and delivering product day in and day out. And so there's also, I think, a, a, a leadership dynamic of even if we could do our jobs just as well sitting at home uh, as we could here in the office, I think we have a responsibility to be aligned with our partners out in the field who who do have to get up and, and get in get into the, the yard every day. Hmm. Um, so so we landed on that, but but at the same time we were able to adapt and at least give a little flexibility because. Let's face it, it's it's really tough. You know, most of our we got a lot of young people working here in our accounting and finance and HR and marketing teams and IT. And, you know, they got families they're juggling. They're probably, um, you know, probably a, 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 both parents in the household are working and they're juggling childcare and everything else. And so we found that we could we could we felt like we could give that day um, mm. for more flexibility but still maintain, you know, kind of all the benefits of being together and collaborating and building culture together. So I think mm. that was, that's one thing that I know a, a ton of, uh, ton of the business world is really navigating through in terms of a change right now. Um, I, you know, mm. I, when I think about American, our society and everything, I, I just think, um, you know, I, I believe that America really desperately needs leaders who, um, who are going to lead from a servant perspective and, and, you know, it's like we were talking about earlier, that doesn't have to be, I don't think you have to be a Christ follower to be a successful business person by any stretch. And, yeah. um, I wouldn't advocate for that. I wouldn't advocate that that's the case, but I will say that I think the way Jesus modeled leadership, um, is an absolute recipe for successful leadership in our world, not only today, but at any other time, uh, mm. someone who mentored, who was humble, who led with a lot of grace. And at the same time, a lot of strength and courage and conviction, uh, putting mm. all that together. That's what that's what our country and that's what I think businesses, you know, operating in our, our kind of any organization needs today mm. with so much kind of strife and, you know, conflict and everything else. I, I, I just think there's never been a more important time for, you know, great leadership that looks to care for people and unite people other than rather than, you know, drive people apart. Hmm. You know, it's interesting. A lot of the younger generation, they're they're very idealistic, and and sometimes you can kind of see that as naive. You know, they they want to change the world. They want to value the family, and uh, and and uh, and yet, you know, I I think in some ways, uh, servant leadership, Christian leadership, um, it it addresses so many things that the younger generation is looking for. Uh, uh, servant leaders that are not just a uh, domineering, uh, controlling, 
um, but abusive, exploitive. Um, you, you would think even if a person was an atheist that they, they would still figure out they'd like to work for a Christian, though, because the culture that develops uh, is just better. Uh, it's the kind of thing they'd want to work with. And so uh, I appreciate, Steve, just the the insight. I knew it would be great um, being here with you and uh, hear what you have to say. Uh, any any last word that you'd have for us? Well, you know, I, I guess, uh, you know, maybe just, just piggybacking on, on what you just said, um, you know, I think, I think we all as leaders, we want to create an environment that people just really want to be a part of. I, I think, yeah. I think that's, uh, you know, I, I've read stats and I won't get them exactly right, but, you know, something like 30% of, of people, you know, in, in America get up and go to work every day and are actually engaged in, in that organization and hmm. engage me and, you know, meaning, Hey, I know what the mission is there. I really buy into it. I'm willing to go the extra mile, you know, to make sure this is a successful venture because I believe in what we're doing and I'm, I, I'm excited about it and I'm a part of it. Hmm. Um, three out of 10 people, you know, get up and go to work with that mindset every day. Yeah. And um, we've actually started doing engagement surveys here, which is something just a tactical thing. I'd, I'd encourage any business leader to do because it really gives you the the voice of what your employees are actually really thinking about your culture and not just what you think they think about it. Hmm. But our engagement level is up around 80%. Wow. So that means about eight out of 10 people on our team get up every day and, and, you know, they're ready to go and, and excited about it and, and, and wanting to find ways to go the extra mile. Uh -huh. I, I just feel like, you know, if you build a culture that eight out of 10 are doing that versus the average being three out of 10, you're, you're going to have some mm. pretty good success uh, over yeah. time. That's just, you know, no different than a sporting event. If you got, you know, you got eight guys on the team that are, that are going for it and, and most of the rest of the team just kind of mailing it in, well, you know how that game's going to end. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's a, that's a big thing. And I, you know, I was thinking about, uh, we have a lot of young people that work in our corporate office here. And so one of the things kind of is maybe just parting stuff is that I, I think a lot about younger leaders, um, and how do you get from there to, to, to hear, um, I think my message for, for, for those leaders who are listening to your podcast would be, um, number one, just, just look for opportunities where you're going to learn and grow. Mm. I, there's, you know, it's, it's easy to kind of go, well, here's where the biggest paycheck offer is right now. But yeah. I think when you're thinking about this 30, 40 year career journey, um, in the long run, being in the places that accelerate your learning and your growth are mm. the places that are going to drive you to, to leadership success. Mm. And, and I think the second thing I would tell that particular group is, is just to learn to do hard things. And, and, huh. and, and by that, I mean, um, you know, for the most part, we have the skills to do to do the job that we're in. Um, that kind of grit that's developed by leaning in and and really um, stretching yourself and taking on tougher assignments and and having the courage and conviction to do that and the the confidence that um, you're going to be able to learn from those. Hopefully, that learning environment that I just talked about. But mm. doing hard things is is another piece that I think just builds resilience throughout your career that you're going to need when you get, you're going to need that more and more as you get through life, whether it's, uh, you know, challenges your family goes through, um, things at work, whatever the case may be, you know, 
life does definitely bring some hardships. Um, Christ yeah. didn't promise us a, a hardship-free uh, experience <laughs> here. He just promised us that he'd, he'd teach us how to navigate through that. He'd always be there to carry us through that. But I think mm. experiencing that and developing that, uh, that resilience and grit is, is really critical in life. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's great, great advice. And uh, I'll tell you, as a as someone who hires people, I I'm I, I love hiring people who are good at doing hard things, <laughs> <laughs> who aren't intimidated by it, that uh, roll up their sleeves and get invigorated by the by the challenge. And so, great, great advice. Well, I, Steve, I knew that our time would fly by. You've got obviously a wealth of wisdom and insight. Uh, we're going to list uh, all kinds of. Uh, uh, of links and things uh, to Steve's business and just ways uh, that you can learn from him. He is, uh, he's, he's done it. He's in the middle of doing it and uh, great advice, very practical. And so Steve, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule just to be with us today. Uh, thanks so much. Great being with you, Richard, and, and great talking to you. And, and uh, I just uh, thank you for, uh, for the impact you've had on my life, uh, through, through that SLI program and, and, uh, through our friendship. I, I appreciate that immensely. Well, that's awesome. Well, we look forward to hearing, uh, just the listeners hearing and, uh, benefiting from all your wisdom that you shared today. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen, don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcasts at blackme.org.